You can put the, yeah. Are we, ta- are you, are we yeah. starting now? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, the thing is, <clears throat> if we're ever to solve our problems in this world, we have to be brutally honest with each other to the point that it hurts. Yeah. If we say that there are some things which are too difficult to talk about for fear of hurting someone's feelings, if we can't identify the problem, how are we going to solve it? Yeah. I know that's kind of an abstract thing to say. It's not really. It's quite simple. But it's really simple. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we're in a time where, uh, like, yeah, the communication is off. It's like, very off. It's very tainted, I would say, by supercharged emotions and sensitivity. Yeah. Um, you know, one of my favorite comedians uh, ever, and I didn't really appreciate Don Rickles. Don Rickles. I never heard of him. Oh, you should check him out. Yeah, I will. You, have you ever heard of uh, insult comedy? No. Really? Insult comedy? Well, I know comedians that insult, yeah. You ever hear of uh, Triumph the Insult Comic Dog? No, I haven't. You ever hear of uh, Comedy Central Roast? Yeah. I know you've heard of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Comedy Central Roast is where you basically just, you have one guy, like one time it was William Shatner. Yeah. One time it was that, Donald yeah. Trump. One time it was uh, Bob Saget. One time yeah. it was whoever. And a bunch of comedians come along and they just roast the shit out of him. Yeah. They make fun of him, but it's all, like, funny. Yeah. And one of the best uh, insult comics currently is Gilbert Gottfried. Uh, the other guy was the other Jeff guy. Ross. Yeah, Jeff Ross. Jeff Ross is great. Yeah. But one of the original ones was Don Rickles. We're talking, like, back in the... I never he was heard part, of him. <laughs> he was part, um, kind of loosely uh, associated with the Rat Pack. Yeah. So Sammy Davis and oh, okay. and uh, Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and all that. Yeah. But he was kind of like the the jokester. He was the one that would roast them, make fun of them. He he would say some very. Uh, it's like you're like at once cringing, and uh, and you're like laughing at the same time. Yeah. Like he would go up to like an Asian person and go, "What's wrong with your eyes?" You know. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. But he would say a lot funnier than I would. And it's not meant to be mean. It's just meant to be, get you know, to the, get to the truth. We we all we're all humans. We have these shared experiences. We have our shared, uh, you know, tribulations. Let's let's have a laugh. Yeah. Let's not take our t- ourselves too seriously. There's too much in this world to take serious. Let's have a laugh. Yeah, way too serious right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. So let me introduce uh, our listeners to Stephen. Stephen, okay. I thought it was Stephen. Stephen. It, Steve, call me Steve. Steve. Stephen yeah. Martin Pinto, running for District Seven Supervisor, our neighbor from the sunny side, and uh, tell us about yourself, your bio. You got a long, you got quite the resume. Okay, uh, where do I start? Well, I was born here yeah. in San Francisco. I'm a proud native. Um, you know, I uh, was born into a uh, a single fam, a single parent household. My mom was. Uh, almost 19 years old and uh my i didn't meet my dad until i was four years old so it was just my mom and me living in my grandparents house in diamond heights and you know uh a lot of people would say oh that's a very disadvantaged way to grow up but to be honest i never hurt for much you know i had a very very strong family yeah uh, very strong grandparents uh a lot of aunts and uncles around and uh, I really, um, you know, I, I survived. And my dad is not a bad person. I, I love him dearly. We've become very close now, but he was also very young and he was probably not ready to yeah. be a father. He was 23 years old. And uh, when I think back when I was 23 years old, I was definitely not ready to be a father. 
Um, yeah, so definitely. <laughs> How old were you, Mario? 19. 19. <laughs> yeah, it's a challenge. You have to grow up fast. Yeah. And sometimes it's like it scares people off. It scares men off because it's like, oh, God damn, what do I do now? Yeah. You know? But uh, despite all that, uh, you know, my uh, I, ha- I did have the the uh, the luxury of having all four grandparents live nearby. You know, my my dad's parents lived over in Sherwood Forest, and my uh, my mom's parents lived over in Diamond Heights, where actually both my gran- grandpas have died. Yeah. Uh, but my grandmas are still alive. They're in their nineties, nearly ninety, so they're still around. And uh, but yeah, after that, after we, you know, my mom. She was forced to grow up very fast. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think she handled it as good as anybody could handle it. You know, she buckled down. Uh, she went to nursing school at City College, got her nursing degree, and she's been, she's became a nurse. Yeah, so your family has a long list of history in San Francisco. We do. Yeah. We do. My grandpa was was an engineer for the city for about 35 years. Yeah. He worked at McAllister and uh, Hyde. Um my uncle was a gardener for the city. Uh, my mom was a nurse for general, SF general. Uh, what else? To my um, grandfather was a uh, my grandpa. My, my grandpa was one of the first Hispanic doctors in the Mission District. Yeah. Um, he came over in '52 with my grandma. Spoke no English. Yeah. He he learned. Uh, so let's talk about you. You went to St. Phillips Elementary. I did. Yeah. Graduated what? from Lowell. I did. Yeah. Sister Act. Went to. <laughs> St. Paul's, actually. That was St. Paul's, oh. our, our rival school. Where did you graduate from high, uh, college? UC Davis. Your degree was environmental engineering. What's that? Uh, what that is, is that? basically it's, it's civil in- engineering with an environmental twist. I've always been kind of an environmentalist, sort of. I've always had appreciation for nature. I love the outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's like civil engineering with, an, with a twist towards. And you are the men's crew team? What is that? Rowing. Rowing. Oh, rowing. okay, rowing. The oldest sport. It's it's you in a boat. Yeah. <laughs> rowing as fast as you can. And you had a radio show. I did. Play, I did. You were right. DJ? I was a DJ. Music? What? I what pl- kind of music were you playing? <laughs> we played, uh, so it was me and my um, best friend from high school. Actually, two of my best friends. Yeah. And uh, we played all kinds of stuff. My my, We kind of shared our music, so my friends would pick more hip-hop. Uh-huh. I picked more uh, techno and uh, indie rock. I was big into bands like Pavement, um, Sabado, uh, <clears throat> Bikini Kill. Yeah, we have no. Do you know? Yeah. So well, we love music. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, I love music too. Okay, uh, a great band I love is the best uh, punk band you've never heard of, The Fall. Never heard. Of. Okay, well. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, not so everybody likes it the fall, but when you have a music or a band or a song that you like that nobody else likes, it, yeah. it's kind of like, I like that because you don't have to share it with anybody else. Yeah. Uh, other bands I'm, I really was really into, the, which are uh, electronic bands, Underworld is, oh. There's Only a, punk we know is what? Uh, Nirvana. Green but Day. that's not even punk, really. Is it not? Green, what, Green it Day's Grunge? punk, I guess. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, Greenway, Green, Green yeah. Day's from uh, what? Berkeley. Yeah, Berkeley. They played at Gilman's. Yeah. Gilman's Club in Berkeley. Uh, we used to go there in high school. So, uh, but there's, um, I, I have like a, I've always been into music, yeah. you know? I've always been into music, and I've always wanted to share my musical taste with the world. You play instruments. I do. Uh, I play guitar. 
banjo, which is yeah. a little bit weird. Yeah. For giving someone like my, I guess, right? yeah. I guess of my uh, racial um, background, but when you hear something that you just love, I hear when you hear a sound that you just love, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, I love the bluegrass sound. Uh, and when I was living in Virginia, I would go to West Virginia on the weekends to go just want to just explore. Yeah. And uh, it just felt like it was a sound of the of the of the area that I was in, and I really really enjoyed it. I loved. I embraced it. Yeah. So after you graduated college, yeah. what'd you do? I actually became a, a wildland firefighter for for the Forest Service in Cal Fire. Was that before? Marines? That was before the Marines. Oh, was it? Yeah. Did we just skip over the Marines like that? Huh? <laughs> no, no. no I, we, thought we, you went, I thought you joined the Marines first. No, then, actually, okay. I did not. I did not. Um, so you became a firefighter? I did. I, be, I became a firefighter. And uh, it's something I've always wanted to do. Yeah. You know? I just, I realized when I went to college that I don't really like office work. Yeah. I just I just can't be contained in an office. Very American. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And what year was that? I began doing... I began doing uh, seasonal firefighting with the Forest Service in nine, in ninety nine. Yeah, and that was like my summer job when I was in college. It helped me pay for college actually. And then after I graduated college, I was like, I could still do this. I could still do this, and um, I continued doing it. Yeah, and then nine eleven hit. And then nine eleven hit, and uh, I remember exactly where I was and what I was doing when nine eleven when I he- first heard the plane hit the tower. Yeah, I remember. And, uh, I think we all remember, you know? Yeah, definitely. But I had no idea the scope of what I thought, like a little Cessna plane yeah. hit the tower. And I was like, ah, oh, what big deal, you know? But then when I actually saw what really happened, I was like, oh my God, yeah. what the fuck is happening? You know, we thought the world was ending. And uh, for the time, for that day, it, w- it was. Yeah. How know? old were you? I was 23. Okay. Yeah. Because I think we were, what, sophomores in high school? I was a sophomore in high school. Nah. We were out of high school. Nah. Was that two? No, that was two thousand, right? Two thousand one. Two thousand one. Yeah. 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 So, how was your experience over there? Um, well, I guess I kind of would. I uh, want to talk about like why oh, I why? joined the Marine Corps. Yeah. Um, you know, I've always had a very innate uh, curiosity for life. I want to experience it to the fullest. I don't feel content to just be a guy that went to high school, went to college, got a job worked for 30 years in some job and then like retired and then died you know what kind of life would that be not for me for some people it's 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 you know maybe it's what they want to do yeah but i've always wanted to go out and experience the world to the fullest the good things as well as the bad things the intense things as well as the boring things and just travel around the world and just see different stuff and um i always felt like if i did it as a tourist you would never really see the country as it was intended to be seen. You're a tourist, it's like you're really kind of wading in the water, you know, yeah. toe deep. But if you're in with the people, embedded with the people, uh, like I was in Iraq and- uh, Went and straight Af- to the smoke. Afghanistan and Georgia, it's like, okay, <laughs> now you really, really are experiencing, um, you know, what other people's lives are like across the world. Yeah. And you become wiser. You know, people often kind of deride the military as, oh, you got nothing to do, so just join the military. I don't like that at all. I don't like that at all. Uh, Because I I feel like it's an oversimplification of the reasons why people join the military. Some people do it because, I mean, we all have our different reasons, but 
I feel like when you join the military um, and you deploy to some other country, you really get a, a like a huge, it makes you smarter, it makes you wiser, and it really makes you appreciate how good we have it here in this country. Our country is not perfect. Yeah. But if you think about it, how can a person like me, who is a, uh, you know, a person of color, I went from a private first class to sergeant to lieutenant to major. Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty successful today, I feel like. I made it here. Yeah. It's possible. So if, country, if our country is so bad, how could I have made it here? You know? Yeah. And you said uh, you watched the podcast with Drew and... Uh, yeah. And you said your, your experience wasn't as... Uh, it wasn't as intense. Yeah. It wasn't as intense. Um, Were you in actual combat? I was never in actual combat. I never fired my weapon. Yeah. And uh, I don't know how I feel about that. And I don't know how I feel about that. I always kind of regretted it, oddly enough. Like, why do you regret that? You should be happy that you never had to fire your weapon. But it's it's kind of, I'll let you in on a little secret. I think if you're trained to do something, you you want, you want to do it. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, um, me as a firefighter, EMT, I feel most effective when I'm actually doing my job as a firefighter, putting out a fire, or even, you know, you know doing CPR on something. You know, I don't know what it is yeah. on somebody. I don't, I don't know what it is, but, like, I've done CPR. I uh, helped. You never do it alone, first of all. Yeah. It's always a team effort, you know. Uh, so, but I've never felt more in my element when I actually am putting out a fire or doing CPR on somebody, helping them do CPR, because it's like you're yeah. fulfilling your purpose. And even though it's a very uh, bad experience for the person that's having CPR done to them, yeah, you know, because you may not always come out of it. You may not live. Or, you know, I remember there was a, a big fire I went to on Christmas morning over in Bernal Heights, and it was one of the best fires I ever had. But I remember at the end of, I was at the end of a hose line spraying out someone's Christmas tree and presents. They were all on fire. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, well, that kind of sucks. Yeah, this is kind of weird. <laughs> you know? I get it, yeah. But I felt, I don't know, I, I liked it, but it kind of sucked. For yeah, me. somebody's got to do it. Because someone didn't get their, uh, their um, you know, beanie baby or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. So fast forward to now. You're mm-hmm. running for District 7 supervisor. Yeah. And we were talking about earlier, yeah, what is the job of a district seven supervisor or yeah walk us know, through a day of a supervisor <laughs> because i thought it was just restricted to you know our district which it is which goes from which neighborhoods so <clears throat> think of like the southwest corner of the city is basically roughly where it is yeah but if you were to draw a line from the ocean so think of where the zoo is and go everywhere south of sloat uh-huh. to 19th avenue is d7 so the zoo is part of d7 lake merced is part of d7 yeah and then once you get to the uh Slope 19th Avenue intersection. Yeah. You go north on 19th Avenue. Everything west of 19th Avenue is D7. So yeah. it includes Scottish Cultural Center. It includes uh, the pumpkin lot on the corner of 19th and Slope. Uh, but it doesn't include the um, Stern Grove Park. Yeah. And then you go to Irving and 19th approximately, and then go east to UCSF. It includes Midtown Terrace, down around the Youth Guidance Center, and then uh, includes... Sunnyside, my neighborhood, yeah. so along O'Shaughnessy as a border. Our neighborhood. Yeah. And then uh, it goes back to, like, approximately City College. 
It looks like as if District 7 is like two districts combined. Uh, yeah. Like, see how it's like two chunks? It is. Yeah. It is. Um, hmm. Only because this area is so, uh, it's not very dense at all. Yeah. You know, it's not very dense. It's a golf. So what is your job exactly? And how far is your reach? Because the issues will, that we'll get into uh, in a minute, it seems like all the issues you want to tackle are, could, you know, has to do with the whole city. It, it does. Yeah. It does. Uh, so my job is twofold. One, my job is to represent my district and look out for the best interests of my district, which I will always do. That's my first obligation. But my job is also to be, uh, to, to guide the city in the right direction. I think you could think of it as com- almost like the, the legislative body of San Francisco. Yeah. So because we are a consolidated city county, we call... If, if we were just a city and not a county, we would ha- we would call ourselves um, city council members. But because we are a consolidated city county, it's like a de facto city council member. But we also have additional duties um, that we have to, uh, you know, do as a county, um, county du- duties as well. You said our government lacks transparency, it does. accountability. And most of all, integrity. It does. Absolutely. And you mentioned corruption. Corruption. I'm like, dude, there's a lot of things working against <laughs> you if you're going to mention that. Yeah. You know, so, like, how, seri- you know, how serious are you about that? And, like, it, it, see, it, I'm very something serious. Something nobody's willing to talk about, it seems. Because we're all part of it. A lot of them are part <laughs> of it. So what makes you different from everybody else? Because I'm running because I want to run. I began my campaign by myself. Hmm. It was just me, myself, and I when I began my campaign and my Twitter account <laughs> and a whole pile of complaints and things to say. And uh, I had no backing. I had no support. And, uh, you know, one promise to myself. Always tell like it is and don't hold back. You know? Straight talk. Straight talk. Straight talk. I, I, I kind of was, you know, and regardless of how you feel by, about Trump, he kind of hit it on the head. I mean, his, his approach to things was his... He was very effective on Twitter. He got his message out to the people directly. And uh, he really got in, in tune with people's emotions about government, feelings about government. And it was a very, very effective thing. And I'll admit that it, it influenced me it in did. the way that I modeled my campaign. Yeah. Take my message directly, directly to the voters. Yeah. And uh, if you don't like what I have to say, you can, you can shut me off. Yeah. But if you do like what I have to say, you can follow me. And... Uh, so I began my Twitter campaign in um, January of this year, and I just began to tweet. Whatever dumb thought came into my head, I tweeted it. Yeah. Whatever smart thought, whatever you know, thought that nobody cared about, whatever interesting thought, whatever, whatever came into my head, I tweeted it. And I grew from one follower to 10 followers to now over 700 followers. Yeah. And that led me to being uh, reached out to by the SF GOP. SFGOP. The Republican Party. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're one of the only pro- registered Republicans running? I'm the only Republican. The only Republican. Except for Marie Hurabiel, uh-huh. who's running for City College uh, Board. But I'm yeah. the only Republican uh, candidate running for supervisor anywhere in the city. Yeah. One, three, five, seven, nine, and 11. Because I was trying to watch uh, one of the Zoom, not debates, but interviews, and you were left out. Yeah. yeah. Because. Why is that? Um, it depends which one it was. Uh, I might one of them you were in, the other one you were left out. Yeah. It might have been, been because I was a Republican. It might have been because I was just not well-funded at the time. Yeah. Uh, 
But, you know, I, I got to tell you, I, I think that I'm really beating people's expectations. People kind of I, I think I, I think I'm getting a feeling of that, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I'm tapped into the neighborhood, and uh, the people that do know you, they have nothing but good things to say about you. Because, look, it all comes back to integrity and honesty. You may not like what I have to say, but you will always know. You may not like where I, what, where I stand on everything, but you will always know where I stand. You'll always know where I stand. Yeah. Because I don't bullshit people. I tell the truth, even if it hurts. Most politicians tell you what you want to hear. I tell you what you need to hear. Yeah. And you may say, oh, fuck you. I hate you. But I can't. I don't want to. I respect you too much to lie yeah. to you. And our fellow neighbor, uh, Ty, he's Ty, my OG. I told you about him. He said he was going to reach out to you. Okay. Uh, and I asked him if, you had, if he had any questions for you. Uh, yeah, he said, what's up with next door? <laughs> next door is a toxic. So my, one of my um, friends said it the best. Next door is a toxic stew of self-righteousness and misinformation. Yeah. It's very weird. Said that. Yeah. And that's that's what it is. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't like it. Um, <laughs> I don't like it. I actually prefer Citizen instead because it's yeah. pretty much just objective. It's just this shooting happened here or someone's car got broken into or, you know, man without clothes wandering down Monterey Boulevard, you know, yeah. something like that. And I think this is the problem, uh, you know, with social media. People are quick to say, you know, say what's on their mind and uh, look to, you know, look for people to follow them and try to gang up on somebody like they did you, like they did me. I've yeah. been banned three times. And, uh, <laughs> you should be proud of that. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of like, yeah. And it, it's like I think they're surprised that I'm not backing down and I'm not being overly aggressive. Like I'm telling Don't the truth. Down. Just like how, this, you know. This is the problem. See, if you watch what's going on in Portland and uh, with Ted Wheeler, yeah. you know, the mayor of uh, Portland, there was a lot of riots there. There's still a lot of riots there. The problem with Ted Wheeler was he thought that he could appease the mob by trying to be their friend. Oh, yeah. But oh, that didn't, didn't work out. It didn't yeah. work out. They turned on him, too. The thing is, with mob mentality, it's never enough. Yeah, there's mad at everybody. Enough. Once they find a weakness in you they're going to keep on poking yeah. and they're, they're going to turn on you what Ted Wheeler should have done and unfortunately um, he didn't do it now it's too late Yeah, uh, he should have drawn a line in the sand, sand and said if you burn down buildings in Portland you will be arrested I respect your right to protest but once you become violent I will not tolerate that he didn't do that that would probably be siding with the president which is yeah you know, but the problem is, is uh, if you, and this is tough to do as a politician, is you have to sometimes go against the mob. And it's hard to do because you want to be everybody's friend. You know, I love to be, I would love to, to say yes to everything all the time. Yeah. But unfortunately, I can't do that because it would be disingenuous and I would be hurting the city and the people in the city, in the city I love. Yeah. Like, I would say, oh, yeah, you want 10,000 bucks from the city every year? Of yeah, course. Of course. Well, Who doesn't want to, that? Yeah. But we can't afford that. We can't afford that. And there's also a bunch of other second and third order effects that would result from that, which are would, would be negative. Yeah. So let's go with the issues that you wanted to face. You said zero tolerance for crime, litter needles, and feces. Yes. It's non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. 
how do you do that? Like how this this we had no idea about. How far is reach as a district supervisor? Because it seems like all the issues you want to face is, you know, has to do with all of San Francisco, which is great. It's just like how the hell are you, how are you gonna do this? How? <laughs> well, make it clear. Um, you know, crime against citizens of San Francisco is not to be tolerated. And, of course, there are people who are going to say, oh, well, you know, what about the, the criminal, his background, and all of that stuff? I understand that. But we have to hold people responsible. We have to hold people accountable. We, as a civilized society, cannot tolerate break-ins to people's cars, stealing of, of, their, of their goods, breaking into houses. This is going to be a tough sell. Yeah. But the problem is, is we become too tolerant of this stuff. And is my, there, my is hope is that if I start at, you know, zero tolerance as a starting point, that I can drag the pendulum or whatever it is, the, uh, um, the uh, negotiating point back to more of a reasonable, uh, well, yeah. Who do we hold accountable for that? Is there one name out there? There's not one name. Not one name? There's not one name. Um, District attorney? That's part of it. That's part of it. Um, y- you know, I, I think the district attorney, well, first of all, he's not, a, I don't call, I don't think of him as a DA. Yeah. We have basically two public defenders uh-huh. working for the plaintiff and the defendant. And uh, uh, so who's advocating for us? Nobody. Yeah. So I'm willing to call out this guy, Chase Bodine. I'm I'm one of the only candidates uh, that has said on record, you know, I will seek to recall him. He's being derelict in his duties. Definitely. And, you know, I, I'm also willing to illuminate. I think what it has a lot to do with is education of people of the process. You know, get people uh, aware of the chain of events that happens from arrest to uh, the filing of charges, to prosecution, to sentencing, and then everything after that. Yeah. And unfortunately, we have very lenient, um, a very lenient DA. We have very lenient judges as well. And uh, I I don't know how the jury is really, but I've heard cases where the jury is even kind of lenient too. Yeah. One thing I got to hand it to one of my can my opponents is uh, Joel Lingardio. He's part of this group called Stop Crime SF, uh-huh. and I'm I've actually been to a few, a few of their meetings as well. And what it was is it began by you know over by the Moraga stairs, 16th Avenue Moraga, yeah, tiled stairs, very nice. It's a tourist attraction. People come there from all over the country uh, to to go take pictures there, and they park their cars. But unfortunately, when they parked their cars, um, they were getting broken into. Yeah. That's Golden Gate Heights. Bip City. I just figured that out. Bip City? Yeah. Yeah, when you bip cars, that's what they call it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Yeah. Okay. I've heard it, yeah, like a few months ago. Okay. But yeah. But um, so Stop Crime SF was a, a group that was founded in response to that, yeah. where they said, what is going on here? We, we're having all these break-ins. We're... We haven't made very many arrests, and even when we do make arrests, uh, the the criminals are released. They're not prosecuted. There's yeah. no like disincentive. What happened stop. with bail? The bail. 
So I know Chase Bodine wants to end cash bail. Uh, I think we did end it in San Francisco. I'm very, very reticent about that because, um, look, I'm no legal person, but it, it there's there's it, it sounds good, but the thing is, I think the system already kind of works. Like yeah. if you are, uh, and the way I understand it is, if you are either the defend public defender or the DA can ask for bail, and the judge can set it if he so chooses. So if the judge doesn't feel like bail is appropriate, he already has that option. You know what I mean? So if you're poor, he, he already has that option to weigh that into his yeah. you know decision-making process. The ending of cash bail is um, really, it's, it's I think slippery. it's designed to sound good to people who don't know uh, the justice system and how yeah. it works. And when I was reading it, it did sound good, but you know, it's a, it's a slippery slope. And I, I got I, this both from uh, from SFPD and you know people that I know personally, like ex convicts. Yeah, they said the best time to be a criminal in San Francisco is now. I bet. I totally. And I, I heard that from both sides. I I totally and agree. It's like this is kind of you know. You know, even even me, like I used to work at Station 36, which is 109 Oak Street, one of the busiest stations in San Francisco, fire stations in San Francisco. Um, and I'll let you in a little secret here in SFFD lingo. So stations 1, 3, and 36 are called the Iron Triangle. Uh-huh. One is Soma, which is located on Folsom and 4th Street, I believe. Yeah. Um, station 3, which is a tenderloin one of the busiest stations in the entire country. It's on Post and uh, Polk, I believe. And then Station 36, which is 109 Oak Street, Franklin and Oak. The Iron Triangle, those three stations are the busiest stations in San Francisco. I used to work at Station 36. Mm -hmm. Um, We'd run 20 to 30 calls a day, mostly homeless people. And I remember one call in particular where it was a, a guy and a girl, both homeless. The girl, like, OD'd, passed out. She came back. She came. She was fine. Um, and the guy, her drug pusher, homeless boyfriend, you know, who gave her the drugs, which caused her to, you know, OD. You know, I, I asked him, "Where are you from? Where are you from?" Uh, I'm from uh, Washington State. Why did you come here? He said, "I came here because San Francisco is one of the only places in the entire U.S. where you can do whatever you want to do." and no one's going to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, spoke volumes. His his story is unfortunately not unique. Yeah. People come here yeah, for that reason. definitely, yeah. I mean, I, there's, a, there's, a, there's a big narrative push by the homeless. The Why are we are, allowing that? Is there money involved? <sighs> could be. It could be. Um, I really think that there is a homeless industrial complex. I don't know. You know, it's, it's people who become an industry you know we've we've passed bonds and uh, you know 300 million dollars in cash every year I think which is Prop C you know that got tied up in the courts but now has been released by by judgment so what that means is a city gives 300 million dollars to various nonprofits to administer various programs around the city for homelessness but you're a CEO of one of those nonprofits you take a share, your admin 
take a share. Everybody takes a little. Everyone so takes a share. Why not, right? And by the time it's actually done, all done said, there's a significantly significantly less portion of money that actually goes to what it's intended to do. So now you got to show results. Yeah. Otherwise, your program is going to get called out for being ineffective. Yeah. So you do just enough to show that you're doing something, but not too much that you're going to basically make yourself be um, go exempt. Think about it. If you solve the homeless crisis, you're basically with every what, person no more that money you, coming in. You're basically making your job obsolete. Yeah. So why would you want to? Why would you? Sounds wanna? like politics as usual, right? It does. It so is. So if you're going against these people, like. You know how? Yeah, how do you combat that? You know, you messing with people's pockets. I know. I think the only thing you know, yeah. it's going to be very, very hard, and um, there is going to be people fighting tooth and nail to 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 protect what they have. Yeah, which comes to your second issue. If I'm not audit all government programs and nonprofits that contract with the city. Audit, 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 and it it cannot be a city agency. We've already seen how corrupt city agencies are. And you yeah. think that it's just DBI and... Uh, What's DBI? Um, Department of Building Inspe- Inspections uh-huh. and, um, um, you know, Muhammad New, the DPW, Department of Public Works. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And I think which, what we've seen so far is just a tip of the iceberg. we got to pull those strings. It's going to be very, very painful. We have to get outside agencies to, to uh, investigate. I can't, I don't trust City Hall. Like they've had this idea of like creating like a another city agency to investigate this corruption. We already have SF SF ethics. Uh-huh. So why do we need to create another agency? And who's going to be on that agency? Political appointees. So if you are appointed by the the mayor London Breed to be part of this, you know, anti-corruption agency and some paper comes across your desk that says, hey, London Breed might be involved in something kind of... You think you were going to investigate her? We heard about that. Did you told me about this. There, are they? What's going on with London Breed? I have no idea. I mean, I've heard things. It's all rumors, but, um, you know, I know she... I, the rumor is that she was boyfriends with uh, Muhammad Nuru, uh-huh. and he got arrested, obviously. So, y- you know, I would imagine that if you're going out you talk. You share things. Yeah. So how much does the mayor of San Francisco get paid? I talked to you about this. Uh, I think the the salary is about $300,000. I was way off by $150,000. <laughs> I looked it up online. And the mayor, I mean the uh, governor of California, I thought it was like one hundred seventy-five, dollars mm-hmm. And I was wrong again. He told me how much? I think it's about $300,000. It's a lot. Damn. And how much does a uh, district supervisor get? When you win. 140K is why I understand it. And One I, of the things I want to do is I want to put forth a resolution immediately when I take, if I take office. Yeah. Everybody, all board of supervisors, the mayor gets a 10% t- pay cut. Yeah. Okay, see, this is why I fuck with you. 10% is a good start. Yeah. But I was thinking more 30%, 40%. You know, weed all the people out. Like, I'll, I'll compare it to teachers. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I used to think that teachers should get paid more because they're, you know, because they're they're teaching the youth. But if you're paying them six figures, then you know everybody's gonna want to be a teacher. Right. So you know, teachers don't go in it to to get paid, and that's how I think it should be for all politicians. It should be like a like a like a 
unpaid position or just a half? Uh, like, half? like, like, I want to say minimum wage, but really, you know, really low. It keeps you honest, I would it, think. It does, but I also got to eat too. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll be frank. I got to eat as well. And, uh, you know, I, we, I think the board of supervisors had about a 12% raise mm-hmm. from like last year to this year or two years ago to this year. So all I'm doing is undoing yeah. the raise that they should not have gotten. Yeah. We're, so we're asking our firefighters, our police officers to defer pay raises. Yeah. And they're not. They got a pay cut, right? They were we sick. didn't get a pay cut. No, we, uh, uh, police, SFPD? I don't know if they From got a pay my cut my understanding, or not. yeah. I don't know if they did or not. So I guess the defund police thing, they were successful because that's what, you know, my contacts told me. Oh, which is a shame. Yeah. Which is a shame. And they should be getting paid. Exactly. Yeah. I'll tell you, like, uh, their job is much harder than my job. Yeah. They do. They have – because I'll put like this. There is nothing so unpredictable as human behavior. Yeah. You don't know what they're going to do. You have no idea what what they're going to do. And uh, which brings me to my – one of my points that you might hear often is like, well, police shouldn't be handling uh, homeless calls or nonviolent calls. But my issue is – any call can turn violent very quickly. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I actually, well, I'll show you a little bit of a thing here is <clears throat> on a call, uh, kind of a routine call, there was a guy who had a head injury, okay, and he was uh, passed out, and uh, <coughs> head injuries can be very, very strange because basically, think of your computer and what it would do if you were to take a hammer and just smash it. Yeah. It's going to do weird stuff. Mm-hmm. The human brain is the same So he just way. started swinging on you? He bit me. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. he bit me right here. Damn. Oh. That was a year and a half ago. Yeah. I still have, I'm going to have that scar forever. Yeah. But this was a guy that was at first very sedate. You know, he was passed out, head injury, he fell down. Can you, can you see it? Yeah. Okay. And he just <laughs> <laughs> And uh, luckily, I was wearing a sweater at the time, yeah. routine medical aid, uh, but it turned violent very quickly. Yeah. People who overdose on opioids, you know, like uh, heroin, fentanyl, uh, they pass out. They overdose. You give them Narcan, which is the, uh, the, the, the beta blocker. It undoes their opioid high. Uh, when they come out of it, they are very, very violent. And I've been on calls in the back of an ambulance where you have a guy that's uh, 125 pounds, you know, five foot two. But he's all one. Twerpy yeah. kind of hipster <laughs> person, you know, and uh, skinny jeans and the whole bit. The, the kind of people that just kind of yeah. irritate you, <laughs> you know. But uh, he o- overdosed and um, we gave him Narcan and he became... He thrashed about, became very, very violent. I had my whole body on his legs to try and hold him down. I'm six foot three, 215 pounds. Yeah. You know? He's a little dude. He thrashed me off. Yeah, yeah. You have superhuman strength when you come out of an Mm. opioid high. And a health worker, a social worker, is not trained to deal with that. Imagine if it was a a big football player-sized guy. How many people... Are going to be able to, you know, and unfortunately, you know, violence isn't the answer for everything. I, I understand that, but in the heat of the moment, when it comes down to it, when you have it's 
the safety of police and firefighters and innocent people versus the safety of the offender, whose side are you on? Yeah. I'm not going to, you know, allow for collateral damage if I can prevent it. You know, we have to be, we have to make those difficult split-second decisions to minimize the injuries and the suffering and the death. And unfortunately, sometimes it means using force on people. That's just the way it is. I don't like it, but that's just the way it is. And the police are in a tough position. Yeah. And you said uh, you're not for defunding police. Oh, no. You want to... Not at all. You want to invest more in the police. So how do you... Like, what do you say to the people out there that want to say defund the police? Fuck the police. How can you get them to understand what you're talking about when you say you want to invest more money? I want to introduce them to people who I've met who have been victims of crime. There's a lady I met who lives on 12th and Folsom. I won't tell you her name because she wants to be anonymous, but her name on Twitter is um, SF Anon. Uh And uh, she's, she's a tough old broad. She's in her 60s, uh, but she's also a weightlifter. Yeah. Um, she feels like she's imprisoned in her own home from uh, vagrants, drug addicts. Uh, what neighborhood is she in? It's like borderline Soma, borderline Mission. Okay. It's kind of by the uh, the 101 off-ramp. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know? Over there by like Best Buy and like Rainbow oh, Grocery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> yeah. So one of the things that I love to do is there's a lot of people who are on, who are on Twitter and social media who are all talk, but there are certain people who I've met on Twitter who I kind of gravitate towards, you know. And I reached out to her and said, "I want to meet you. Yeah. I want to hear your story. You've clearly been clearly been through a lot. I just want to like go to your house if you don't mind, and just sit and listen to you talk about all your experiences as a 63 year old woman living." in Soma, Borderline Mission District. And I went over there and she told me everything. And my God, what a horrible story. I mean, it's it's sad. Yeah. Abandoned by the city, abandoned by, um, you know, left to fend for herself. She she holds her own pretty well. But she's been attacked, five t- assaulted, physically assaulted five times by drug uh, dealers, by um, violent, mentally ill people. You know, who who's got her back? Yeah. How do we how do we allow this? What society what society allows this? Yeah. Who is allowing it? Is it is it just Bodine? Is he who is it, who's? I know it's the more SF, than that. Yeah. It's a it's the um it's the uh, collection of a bunch of different things. Yeah. It's people who want to be nice, but conflate being nice with being good to somebody. When you're a kid, okay. You think think about when you're a little kid, your parents, you know, you want to do things. You want to stay up late. You want to have candy for dinner. You want to, you know, stay out late and play with your friends. And but your mom and your dad say no. Be back home by six o'clock. Go to bed at eight thirty. You know, no candy for no dessert until you finish your vegetables. And you're like, oh, but mom, you know. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and you and you hate your parents for it. For that moment, you hate your parents because they're you feel like they're being so mean. But you're not mature enough or don't have the wherewithal enough to realize it's for your own good. That's where we met, that's where we get it wrong in San Francisco. Yeah. 
we have people who are homeless, who are drug addicts, and we don't want to take away their rights because they're, we don't want to be mean to them. But what we're missing out, what we're missing is by letting them indulge in their drug addiction and uh, their you know, other issues, we're killing them. All drug addicts will die. They'll eventually die. And by us being, quote unquote, nice to them and not interfering in them and taking away their rights, we're complicit in their killing. Mono deals with him every day. He drives muni. Yeah. And a lot of my, uh, you know, a lot of muni drivers I know. Yeah. Every day is their story. Yeah, I bet. And one of the, tac- the issues you want to tackle is, uh, you know, uh, restore faith in our public transportation. Absolutely. You mentioned BART, Muni. It's a disaster. It's a disaster. It's no longer safe, of course, dirty. Everything, all of the above. Like, again, as district supervisor, how far is your reach? How, yeah, how are you going to help fix this? It's not going to be easy. I'm going to have a lot of learning to do. But the thing is, my biggest strength is I'm a big loudmouth on Twitter. And I'm going mm-hmm. to be a big loudmouth on the Board of Supervisors. Yeah. I'm not going to stop airing my concerns okay, until that. I get some attention. Yeah. I can't guarantee you I'm going to get everything that we want. But right now, nobody's trying. Yeah. Nobody's who, Who's advocating for you and me? Yeah. Who's advocating for SF Anon on Twitter? Yeah. You know? Nobody is. I'm not afraid to be as loud and as like obnox- obnoxious yeah. as a bite coalition, as a coalition on homelessness, but for the right cause. Yeah. And people can get behind that. People are scared right now. I'll tell you something that I was very, very shocked, but, you know, kind of um, inspired to hear was, you know, when I began my campaign, I, like I tell you, I, I tell like it is I don't hold back. Yeah. And a lot of people reach, have reached out to me and said, Steve, for the first time in, in a long time, somebody gets it. You know, you're out there saying the things that I'm thinking yeah. that I'm afraid to say because I'm afraid I'll be labeled a racist, a homophobic or whatever. And I'm not afraid to be that lightning rod of controversy. Yeah. Someone's got to do it. Yeah. You're just a little bit loud enough for me. Like uh, <laughs> a couple of people, you know, a couple of people are telling me like, hey, Steve, uh, Steve wants to reach out to you, this, that. And I've, I wish I, if, if I knew it was you, I would have reached out earlier. But you're just loud enough. So just continue to be louder and I'll, I'll continue to get louder too. We have to. Yeah. The thing, you know, the, the Bike Coalition they get what they want because they're organized and yeah. they're loud. But they don't represent most of the city's interests. They don't. Yeah. Um, they're loud uh, enough to get all these bike lanes. Exactly. <laughs> but I'm saying let's let's us be loud too. People who still believe in common sense. Yeah. People who still believe in, you know, America, even with all its fl- flaws. I still believe in America. Definitely. Where else am I going to go? Yeah. You know, I'm not going to Ecuador where yeah. my family came from. I've, I've been there. I like it, but this is my country, you know? So I'm going to stay here and yeah. fight it out. This is my city. Yeah. I'm going to stay here and fight it out. And definitely. Uh, as far as being loud, again, our next door, our next door neighbors on the app, they're a lot louder. They have been a lot louder than us, <laughs> but there's a lot more of us, you know? And when I see them in person, they're really loud, but really, yeah, they're really loud. They just feel like you know uh, it's not worth it going at it with them, you know, on that platform. Mm-hmm. 
which is uh I, I get it but you know they've been pushing me and pushing me they they banned me like three times okay and it's like okay you keep pushing my buttons and they get surprised that i'm sticking up for myself and they're surprised by that and this is and i think uh there's a change going like people like us we're gonna get louder and they're not gonna know what to do yeah and it's like we're all in this together but we're kind of trying to show them like hey man chill exactly and here's chill the thing the fuck, you know chill the fuck out they need to chill i feel like, like we're going through a culture war right now definitely it's, it's sad. crazy it's sad because this kind of happens when people have nothing to do you know they make up stuff yeah to, to, mm-hmm. you know um there are a lot of groups that are coming out of the woodwork i feel like there's De- a facebook yeah. group coming out uh, which my friend started from the fire department as well as others it's called taking back san francisco yeah uh, it's a Facebook group that she started with just 10 people, you know, maybe five. It's since grown to 2,000 people. And uh, that's my crowd. Yeah. Because people actually care. Yeah. They're, they're scared to say what they think because they're afraid if they speak out their mind. Yeah. They'll be labeled racists. Racists. Yep. Yeah. Racists. Anti-LGBT. You, you know? Yeah. All uh, that. Homophobic. All that stuff. All, all that stuff. All Islamophobic. That stuff. Here's a new one I've heard. Yeah. Christo-fascist. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. That means like fascism for... Christianity, yeah, you know, Islamophobic, ableist, yeah. you know, who the fuck makes up these words? Yeah, and you're not white, right? I'm but, part white. Oh, you're part, but yeah, I'm like, like they'll look at you like this guy's white, he's racist, fucking yeah. <laughs> People the, see what they want to see, but exactly. in actuality, I'm I just actually had my DNA test done. I'm about thirty five percent Mesoamerican, yeah, so like Central American, South American, yeah. Native American, uh, you know that, and then a part Scandinavian, which probably explains my height. Yeah, and then uh, also like uh, Spanish and Southern Italy and Greek and yeah, I think Northern African too. Yeah, but aside from that, it's yeah. like it shouldn't matter. No, it really shouldn't matter. Yeah, because uh, yeah, it just but it does, and I do feel a shift. Like you know, people like you, people like me. When I've run into you, I'm like, oh, I'm not the only one. And no, we're just getting slowly getting louder and louder, and I think we're holding our composure a lot more a lot better than the other side and it's like you know when I talk to them like I'm trying to help you guys out here I don't want to lose my shit even though I want to tell you a bunch of you know bunch of mean stuff it's like I got your back it's just like you know we're trying to ease them into it but dude they're not listening it's that well yeah it's finding your crowd you know it's who can you trust you know I'll give you a perfect example with this whole COVID thing people are scared to shake hands yeah, simple thing like this that. It's not the world I'm li- trying to live in. I don't want to live in that world. Definitely not. And then you have like Doctor Doctor Fauci who's saying we shouldn't, we should consider removing the shaking of hands from our culture. That's stupid. No, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, that's stupid. I'm a I'm a human being. I like to look people in the eye. Yeah. And give them a good firm handshake. It's, you know, it's a way of communication. I'm not going to be afraid. But this is also the problem. You know, people quick to voice their opinion. On a screen, but you know, I like you did. I welcome them. Like, yo, you know where to find me. Come speak to me directly. And it's not, you know, it's they not. They never a, do it. And they don't. They never do it. I've I've ran to some pretty pretty harsh people online. You know, I say my opinion, and uh, like, where some, you at? some people are like, oh yeah, right on. But other people have called me. You're a disgrace to your race. Yeah. You're you are a piece of shit human You're being. You're target to a marine. Yeah. <laughs> And I Firefighter. say, okay, He's pretty maybe big. I am. Maybe you're right. Maybe I am a piece of shit human being. Yeah. But let's come meet me at 
some coffee shop. Yeah. We'll talk about it man to man or man to woman or yeah. whatever you are, you know, yeah, yeah. because they don't always, you always, don't always know who they are. Yeah. And they never do. Yeah. You're not worth my time. I, yeah. you know, you, I would just crush you logically anyway, so why would I even bother? And that's you know? why it's like, come on It's now. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Here's, here's the thing. <clears throat> and uh, Louis C.K., you know Louis C.K.? Yeah. Yeah. He made a very good point. He's one of my favorite comedians, by the way. He's and not bad. He's cool. Yeah. yeah. It's when you're online and you say something mean to somebody, you don't see the reaction. Yeah. So when you're, when you're in real life – yeah, um, and you say something mean to somebody, like they you're fat. See, yeah, they all see you're six three. Yeah, you know? <laughs> when you see a fat person in real life and you say you're fat, yeah, you, you kind of see how they go. Oh, yeah, they don't so come they, with the same energy, and it makes you feel bad. Yeah, definitely. You know, and you and you learn that that's not a good feeling. It's not, and you don't want to do that anymore. But the problem is, is uh, with our online generation, we can say mean things to, to people nowadays, and we don't see get away with it the reaction they have we don't see their maybe we say something mean to it that 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 person and we don't see how bad it makes him feel yeah so we kind of like learn to talk to each other like like that which is not a good way to talk to each other yeah so and thought that was very very poignant yeah and your observation and it goes into your other issue with reforming our school system we gotta Um, reform our school system now i let me back up for the muni thing thing for a minute because I want to talk about that. Um, our population density here in San Francisco is about 19,000 per square mile. New York has about 28,000 per square mile. Look at New York's subway system versus ours. If you go to New York, it's, it's like pretty, crisscrossed it's by pretty subways. pretty solid, yeah. I can hop on an, any train from A to Z from 1 to 10 and get anywhere in Brooklyn, Queens, yeah. you know, or whatever. So our public transit's inconsistent? We it? need better, faster, grade-separated light rail transit. There's a big project, or there was a big idea a while ago that uh, our current supervisor, Norman Yee, I think he began that, uh-huh. was let's put the whole M Ocean View train line underground. It would be a, a subway or elevated light rail system from Daly City BART all the way through Stonestown, uh, Park Merced, SFSU, uh, San Francisco Circle, and West Portal. Four car trains run all day long, no traffic interference in between. Think of the amount of people that you could move efficiently and quickly Yeah, with that. Part of the reason why, and correct me if I'm wrong here, part of the reason why Muni, the metro system gets so like jacked up is because you have a bottleneck of trains mm-hmm. in the subway. You have six lines the J, K, L, M, and N, and T yeah. going to one Market Street subway. Yeah. It gets all like... It's not just the not just the subways, too. It's also all lines above ground. If you yeah. look at a map of San Francisco, everything funnels into a fucking bottleneck on Market. Yeah. And then they funnel back out to the Avs, to Richmond, to everything. Yeah. So it's really just a shit show. It is a shit show. <laughs> you can't drive. And, and we need a better light rail <laughs> transit system. Yeah. I want to be able to... G- you should be able to get from the Cliff House... To the Embarcadero in 25, 30 minutes. And I'm not I'm not talking about the 38 Gary bus. I'm talking about like hopping on a subway mm-hmm. or a light rail and taking a train and having it have various stops along the way, like maybe at like the Cliff House or 37th, 25th, the Park Presidio, Arguello, and then you know 
Masonic and Fillmore and then all the way down to downtown, you know, and have four car trains. Yeah. Think of, and correct me if I'm wrong again, but isn't the 38 Gary the most heavily ridden bus line west of Mississippi? Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. West of Mississippi. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a tie between 38 and the 14. Okay, 14. Yeah. 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 The 14's a, a pretty, uh, that, that's a, <laughs> that's it's a, a one too. It's a circus too. It's a moving circus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of issues. It sounds good. And it sounds yeah. like you really want to do it. And we're not even done. Uh, this has directly with me slash fees, regulations, taxes, and permits for small businesses. Yes. Like you were talking to a lot of people. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's like, yo, we will, we will rock with you. If yeah. you, you know, if you come with something realistic. The thing is, is the one thing I love about San Francisco, and I didn't even really think about this until somebody from out of town pointed out to me, is the lack of large retail chains. Yeah, there's the occasional Starbucks. Yeah. There's the occasional Taco Bell or whatever. But, you know, Hess Barbershop, Your Barbershop, um, Big Joe's Cafe, Railroad Cafe, um, you know, um, Friends Bar, El Torridor and West Portal, which I've been going to for Monterey years. Monterey Deli, shout out yeah. to Alamir. Look at the entirety of West Portal. Look at Monterey the Pizza, yeah. Yeah, um, which my friend uh, Van owns. Um, yeah. This district has a lot of independent, yeah, small businesses. Like small Small business is a cultural, is a cultural nexus and an economic economic nexus of our neighborhoods. Uh-huh. Uh, but yet, even before this COVID thing happened, we were crushing them with fees and taxes and permits and all that stuff. Yeah, I don't know all the permits that, that you have to have to to operate because I don't, I didn't really haven't talked yeah. to you at length about that. But I'm dying to know. Yeah. But I have talked to um, the owner of Easy Freezy. Her name is Maureen, and uh, I went in there to pass out a flyer or two or give her a sign, and I meant to be in there for five minutes. I spent about an hour talking to her about all the permits that she has to, to pay for, all the fees that she has to pay, and I'm like, how are you even still in business? This is absurd. Yeah. If she wants to have a stand-up sign on her on the sidewalk, that's a fee. If she wants to replace her awning, replace her awning that she already has yeah it's broken that's a fee or permit that's ridiculous what yeah that's crazy i know <laughs> and it's a racket it's a racket and we're crushing our small businesses to me it's not that big of a surprise if you drive down market street between uh, castro and uh, uh, guerrero that you see a lot of empty storefronts to yeah. me it's not a surprise that you, if you drive down west portal nowadays even yeah. sadly enough there's a lot of empty storefronts. Yeah. Because we make it so hard to start a small business. And I'm no businessman, you know. Yeah. That's one thing I don't know a lot about. I can only imagine, you know. But you you had a picture of Walter Wong there on on the phone. If you I think if you've Walter Wong? Yeah, he's he's what's called a facilitator. Oh, this dude. That guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he a facilitator is a person that if you want to open up a um a restaurant or a bar he's a guy that you pay to navigate the process through city hall to get all the permits and fees we've made it so arduous to, to do that to open up a business that we've created an industry where we pay people to do that for you yeah it's busy work it's useless busy work i want to slash that red tape that bureaucracy and you know make it so that if you want to start a small business 
let's help you. Let's be on your side. Yeah. Because you're creating jobs. You're creating a culture for the neighborhood. Yeah. You know? And before COVID, like, yeah, we were we were killing it. We were doing great. Yeah. I, I, I remember I, I tried to walk in here a few times and uh, get a haircut, and you're like, oh, we're, we're booked to the gills today. Yeah. You call back tomorrow. And I yeah. did. I got an appointment. But, you know, it's um, – yeah. So you were doing really good here. Yeah. You were doing really good here. We'll be all right, too. But good. a lot of other people won't be all right. Yeah. And it became obvious uh, during COVID these past months, you know, they, they, they talk about public safety – Yet, you know, what are we going to have to go back to? And it's like, yo, I lost, like, I lost faith a long time ago. Like, yo, I'll say it. Uh, Gavin Newsom, London Breed. I can't believe, yeah, I can't believe they have our best interest. I just don't, it just, I just don't see it at all. Yeah. I'm sure I'm right. I'm sorry. I'm sure it's right. I'm sure I'm right. Yeah. So I kind of like, so I was talking to my, um, um, my girlfriend the other day about London Breed and there was it was a really hot day you know and uh, she was saying London Breed was saying to everybody in San Francisco don't go to the beach it's a hot day you're gonna get COVID and I was saying to my girlfriend uh oh mom is mad you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's like (laughs) we look at our figures like that as as parents and we're like little kids you know that's not the way I want to be treated. She's a native San Franciscan, from what I hear. She's she from is. Fillmore. She so is. she's. it sounds like she should be one of us, but it doesn't sound like, you know, it sounds like she's taking orders from somebody else. I kind of think so. And I really, um, you know, I don't know her that well. I've only met her a few times, but um, I feel like she's kind of, my, my whole thought is she's kind of in over her head. She doesn't really have the wherewithal to like put the foot down and exercise her own judgment because I don't know if she's ever had a real job. I don't know. Yeah. Correct. Maybe I'm wrong. She but when you get paid from what you tell me, 300,000 a year? Yeah. That's a lot. But I, Why I would you care? I wouldn't care. There's a certain, I think, um, advantage to like having a l- little bit of adversity in your life. Uh-huh. Like, you know, having a job, getting laid off, getting fired, being broke, you know, making tough decisions. And then looking for a job and then finding another job yeah. that you hate, but you need to have it because you have to work and you have to eat, you know, and you have to live. And then, but just doing that for a little bit till you get a better job and then fighting to make your life better. Whereas, I don't know if her, what her story is like, but she's kind of seemed to have always worked in government, you know, where she never had to produce a product or she never had to like, meet a deadline or I, I mean I don't know yeah. you know or like oh London Breed you didn't, you didn't make your quota for car sales this month yeah. so we're gonna lay you Some off kind of pressure yeah Yeah. Mm-hmm. well I better up my game if I do yeah. you know so government jobs are very comfortable and they tend to not go away once created yeah and this is why you know what separates you from, yeah what what prevents you from turning to all these other people especially with the salary you know that's the thing that, that scares me the most. Yeah. Is what if I become one of them? I, I'm so scared of that fact. Are you? I am. I was kind of scared of it too because yeah. I do believe in you. But I'm like, yo, dude, this, this is a weird game, dirty game. It is a dirty game. And all I can tell you is um, if I come to the point where, you know, 
I, someone says, Steve, you sold out, you know, or you, you did, yeah, I fucked up. I yeah. fucked up. Yeah. I'm going to take a very, very serious look at myself. I'll be the first one to tell you. Definitely. And please do. Yeah. Please do. I'm not in this job to like be said nice, nice yeah. things to, you know, I'm not. Yeah. If I was going to be, um, if I want to hear good things all the time, uh, I would choose another job like a, um, I don't know, where are they? What's got one of the highest? I mean, you got a good job right now. I do, yeah. Great job. Yeah. Very American. Well, <clears throat> I mean, I I like my job. I, I love my job. I, you know, I'd be sad to leave it if yeah. I got elected, but. You're still serving the public. Yeah. For it's now. What can you do for the, the greatest number of people? Yeah. Yeah. You're still serving. How, how much time do you have, Mano? Uh, we're an hour five minutes in. Hour five. Yeah. Okay. Anything else you want to ask him? Um, if there was one big issue in San Francisco that you want to let all the voters know that you would fix if you were elected, like the one biggest issue you just want to let people know that you want to fix, what would it be? Corruption. It all comes down to corruption. There you go. It does. Whoo! That's that a bottleneck. Smoke. That's yeah. a bottleneck. Yeah. That really ties everything up. It ties up the crime. It ties up the homeless industrial complex. It ties up why we can't get our streets paved or cleaned. It ties up uh, the schools. It ties up everything. Our government is only as good as the people who serve in it. It's only as good as the morals of the people in it. And when you have a government like ours, which this is not a new thing. Corruption is not new. Yeah. This has been decades in the making. Yeah. And if you read books like uh, Cult City um, by I Forgot Who or Season of the Witch, which I'm reading right now, our culture of corruption goes back to the 70s, to the 60s, and maybe even to our very founding. Yeah, why not? Of <laughs> course. I'm sure so it is. this is not going to be an easy thing to fix, but I believe that all our problems are a direct cause of our culture of corruption. Yeah. And I alone am not going to fix it, but I'm going to try. Yeah. The louder you are, you're going to find more people like me. And, you know, the there's a is, lot of people around here that feel the same way you do. We're just not loud enough. So we're going to get louder. Always more of us than there are of them. Yeah. The problem is how do we get organized? How do we get mobilized and loud? Yeah. You know, if there's a hundred, I mean, if the bike coalition... If there's some uh, meeting or topic at the uh, the board of supervisors supervisors meeting which pertains to bikes, they can call up their members and have immediately on call 100 people yeah. speaking at that meeting, advocating for some bike lane on Fell Street, which they don't need because they've already got the panhandle, but I don't know, whatever. Yeah. You know, we need that same level of, of organization. There's more of us than there are of them, yeah. you know. And, and back to reforming our school system, uh, I think the kids are at risk of what's going on right now with COVID, the social distancing. Uh, this is not a bad this this disease does, does not kill kids. Yeah, it doesn't kill kids. It's um, and the other thing too is uh, kids need school isn't just about learning math or science. Just or being around each other. Exactly. I think as the long term effects socialization yeah. of. You learn about how to socialize, how to make friends, how to, uh, you know, that's what school, kids are meant to be with other kids. Yeah. 
that's the way we've been for since the beginning of time. Yeah. So now let's get kids back together again. Yeah. And uh, let's restore that sense of community. community. Yeah. And I got plans to make it, you know, to get you, yeah, more tapped into the inner city, to the kids, to the youth. And I get, would love you know, that. Have them get to know you. I would love we'll that. Bring the SFPD. We'll bring the we fire need, department. We're going to bring everybody. We need that. Yeah. We need to learn to teach our kids that the cops are not your enemy, that the fire department is not your enemy. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of these problems come from kids who've been told their whole life that the cops are out to get you. The mm-hmm. cops are mm-hmm. your enemy. They're going to kill you because mm-hmm. of who you are. And of course, you know, when you grow up thinking like that and a cop pulls you over for a broken taillight or whatever, you're going to have a very bad reaction yeah. because you've been taught your whole life that, the, that they're the enemy. And by doing that, by teaching those bad lessons, you're putting their lives in danger. I'm not all about that. I want to knock down that barrier between the cops and kids and inner city youth or anybody, really. Definitely, I'm with that. Yeah. It's for our own good. Yeah. It's for their good. So to wrap it up, if you had one minute, uh, look in the camera, tell them what you got to say. Look, I, I hope that you have heard what I have to say. I, I hope that you get a sense of who I am as a, as a person, as a man. You know, I grew up here in San Francisco. My mom and dad grew up here. My grandpa grew up here. My great-grandma grew up here. She was a survivor of the 1906, 1906 earthquake. Mm-hmm. And even my great-great-grandma grew up here. She was born here in 18... 18- 40-something. Look, I'm all about the city. I love it. It's in my DNA. So this is personal for me. You know, it's personal for me. I want the city to be a better place because I care. Nobody cares as much as I do. Nobody is going to be willing to stick their neck out as much as I will. And nobody's going to be as brutally honest and as forthcoming and straightforward as I am. I have the best intentions at heart. I really do. And uh, I want to see our city become a great city to thrive and to be the model city that it once was because it was a gem of the West. And I wanted to see it be like it used to be, but even better. We have the opportunity to do so. So uh, I hope that you consider voting for me, or at least if you, if you can't vote for me, at least telling your friends who live in District 7 to vote for me. And uh, thank you for having me. Really I believe it. it. I believe it. Thank you. Thank you so much. So uh, back to you being a DJ. If you have one more, uh, one song for the outro. Uh, like a song. One song. Unfinished uh, Sympathy by Massive Attack. There we go. Unfinished Sympathy. Sympathy. Yeah. From the album Blue Lines in okay. 91. It's a wrap. Out of Pocket Live with Steve Martin Pinto, District 7 Supervisor. All right. We out. Thank you. Thank you.